We have got some big Second Amendment cases headed to the Supreme Court in their upcoming fall term, and so we are going to be talking about those today here on Categorical Imperatives. Hey, greetings, and welcome back once again to Categorical Imperatives. As always, I am your host, Lockheed and Liberal, and I do want to thank you all so much for joining me here today. And if you are new to the show, I would especially like to welcome you. This is a podcast where we're going to be using legal theory and moral philosophy to discuss current events related to law, politics, and culture. Now, on November 3rd, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in the case of New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. This case will decide whether the Second Amendment right to bear arms is, you know, an actual right, or, conversely, if law-abiding adults who pass a biometric background check and safety training can be denied a concealed carry permit simply because permitting officials only issue carry permits when they feel the applicant has a special need. We will be covering this case and its developments here in just a moment. All right. Now, this case, uh, along with another case, Young versus Hawaii, are both on the docket for the court's fall term, uh, and these are both important cases for Second Amendment advocates to be aware of as they develop. Uh, we are going to be talking about Bruin today. I'll get to Young uh, soon, but uh, anyways, the reason it's so important, uh, well, there's many reasons, but uh, more immediately is that the Biden administration has continued to make unreasonable demands on the court about how they should handle this case. Uh, he has had his Solicitor General file a motion to vacate. More recently, uh, he filed an amicus brief with the court that essentially made the case that you have no Second Amendment right outside the home whatsoever for any reason. And then just yesterday, the Solicitor General filed a motion for leave with the court requesting the court make the federal government a party to the case and request time during oral arguments for them to make their case in person that you have no Second Amendment right outside of the home. Now, unsurprisingly, the appellant, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, is opposed to what would be an incredibly uneven distribution of time seeing as how the respondent and the Solicitor General are both making pretty much the same point with separate oral arguments. Really, this would just be allowing a state and federal gun grabber double, uh, double team to argue against the appellant. Now, it's also important to keep in mind that Biden has been fairly consistent when people ask him about his plans to pack the court, when he, sa he says that he has not reached any conclusion yet, but that the court would essentially make his choice for him on two specific issues, those being abortion and gun rights. And so for Creepy Uncle Joe, a red line, or maybe in this case, more appropriately, a red flag, is any ruling that would be seen as favorable to the 2A community or the pro-life movement. Uh, now, we also have some big uh, abortion cases coming up in the next term, too, that I'll also, I'm sure, be getting to uh, in the near future here. So, But there, there's a lot of these kind of cases 
where the court may lean away that gives Joe Biden the excuse to pack the court. So he seems to have taken uh, the modern myth of what is known as the switch in time to a whole new level. I've covered this before in past videos, but the switch in time is this incorrect assumption that the way uh, FDR was able to get the court to stop striking down his unconstitutional constitutional New Deal programs in the 1937 case of West Coast Hotel versus Parrish, in which the court upheld a minimum wage law for women, uh, it was because statements made about possibly packing the court. This is what people think motivated that case, despite the fact that all actual evidence suggests that West Coast Hotel was decided on the merits alone. This spawned another common myth, and this is the idea of the political judiciary, and that the, the Supreme Court is nothing but a political organ and should always be understood as such. Now, this is a really fascinating piece of history, uh, and as I said, I've covered it before. I've uh, got a video about it called The Constitutional Revolution of 1937. I'll link in the description if you want to check it out. Now, Biden seems to have taken FDR's sort of vague uh, threats and brought them, made them a more particularized demand that really almost sounds more like a mafia protection racket. Hey, Joey, look at this Italian marble right here. Yeah, this sure is a nice high court you got here. Sure be a shame if something happened to it. Now, it's also worth noting that I, I believe conservatives feel much more secure than they probably should uh, because they have a belief that uh, Trump's appointments have shifted the court to a 6-3 conservative split. However, there are several compelling reasons to doubt this. Now, I, I generally, I think it's worth pointing out that there is a trend that you see in, in Supreme Court jurisprudence that when a liberal president gets elected, they do tend to appoint liberal justices, and the court shifts in a liberal direction. And when a uh, conservative president gets elected, they tend to appoint conservative justices to the court, and the court still tends to shift in a liberal direction. But specifically... In regards to the new Roberts Court we have now, we do not so much have a 6-3 conservative court. Uh, we have uh, what constitutional lawyer Josh Blackman has uh, identified as a 3-3-3 court. Now, this means that uh, we have Justices Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch, who are solidly on the right. Then we have uh, Chief Justice Roberts, as well as Justices Kavanaugh and Barrett, who are somewhere to the left of the right. And then we have Justices Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan, who will do pretty much anything to form a majority. Now, the chief may have been a conservative at one point. I don't know. I've never seen it myself. But what I do know is that he seems to have embarked on a lifelong odyssey uh, to pilot the court through this sort of middling moderation of mediocrity. And... Despite what I think a lot of 
people still think Justice Kavanaugh was always cut from the same cloth as Justice Roberts. And if I can make a personal aside here, actually, I just, I have to wonder, uh, and if you're someone who is on the left or you consider yourself liberal or progressive, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. I, and what I, I'm wondering, leave a comment if you have any thoughts on this. Um, I wonder how much the left realizes how much their antics at the Kavanaugh confirmation actually helped Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, something that has kind of gotten forgotten in the chaos was that before the sexual assault allegations became the focus uh, that really made him an owner's candidate more uh, to the left, uh, he was really seen as an owner, uh, onerous candidate to much of the right. And when the sexual assault allegations became the focus, uh, he was... Someone, as I said, conservatives have some major reservations about a lot of uh, aspects of his uh, past jurisprudence. And uh, anyways, uh, so when Christine Blasey Ford uh, came forward uh, and she was she had a credible allegation and I think she was given a fair hearing, uh, but it, it just there was simply no evidence to corroborate what she said in any way. And then you had. Uh, Michael Avenatti, uh, who got together this parade of lying strumpets to just make shit up. And at that point, it became very clear that what was going on was Kavanaugh was getting borked because he is a conservative. And because of this, Republicans rallied behind him. And uh, they seemed to forget about all the objections that were just were being discussed right before that. And that just really kind of left a handful of us going, you know, but wait, this is a guy who wrote the Patriot Act. Come on. And the thing is, I think Kavanaugh knew this, and he, I think he leaned into the conservative wind uh, in his hearing, and he, he played the part of the originalist to get the job, but he has consistently shown his true colors. And then there is Justice Barrett, who is simply not the conservative that most conservatives thought that they were getting. And finally, I just want to say as a matter of basic common sense, no one should be optimistic at the prospect of reclaiming true individual liberty by asking the federal government to limit the power of the federal government. And don't get me wrong, this is a fight worth fighting, but I'm just saying to expect it to go your way just because you're in the right uh, is would be a naive way to look at this. But whichever way this case goes, it will uh, almost certainly become a landmark to a case, it will be right up there with DC versus Heller and McDonald's v. Chicago. So, what is this case all about and what makes it so important? Well, the law at issue in the case, uh, and this, uh, it, it is a similar gun control measure to one that you find in a lot of other states. This one is out of New York specifically, uh, but 
to receive an unrestricted license to carry a concealed firearm outside of the home, a person must show what is called, quote, proper cause, cause, end quote, meaning that they need to have a special need for self-protection and that they do not issue permits for the general purpose of lawful self-defense. This is what is known as a may-issue state, as opposed to a shall-issue state. Now, two men challenged the law after New York rejected their concealed carry applications, uh, and they are backed by that gun rights advocacy group, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. Now, the Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit had upheld the law, which is what prompted this challenge to appeal to the Supreme Court. Now, after considering the case at three conferences, the justices agreed to weigh in. They instructed the parties to brief a slightly narrower question of uh, the challenge and limiting the issue to whether or not the state's denial of an individual's application to carry a gun outside the home for self-defense violated the Second Amendment. Now, this announcement came just one day short of one year after the court's ruling in a different challenge that was brought by this same gun rights group, the New York Rifle and Pistol Association. And that case involved New York City's ban on the transport of licensed handguns outside of the city. Because the city had repealed the ban before the case reached the Supreme Court, a majority of the court agreed with the city that the challenger's original claims were now moot. That is to say that they were no longer a live controversy. And in a concurring opinion, Justice Brett Kavanaugh agreed that the case should be returned to the lower court, but he did also indicate that he shared the concern expressed by Justice Samuel Alito in his dissenting opinion that the lower courts may not be properly applying the Supreme Court's most recent gun rights precedent set in District of Columbia v. Heller uh, and McDonald v. Chicago. Therefore, Kavanaugh urged the court to address that issue soon. This is a quote from uh, his dissent. He, he asked the court to, quote, address that issue soon, perhaps in one of these several Second Amendment cases with petitions for certiorari that are pending before the justices, end quote. Now, he is referring to uh, a number of cases, several of which uh, specifically involve the right to carry a handgun outside of the home for self-defense. This is something that the Second Amendment community has been trying to get them to address since uh, McDonald v. Chicago in 2010. Now, shortly after issuing that decision, the court distributed for consideration at its May 1st, 2020 conference 10 different gun rights cases that had been put on hold while the New York City case was pending. Now, the justices considered those cases uh, at six consecutive conferences before finally denying review in all 10 of them in June. And Justice Clarence Thomas dissented from the court's opinion not to take up at least one of those 10 cases. And 
In an opinion that was joined in part by Kavanaugh, Thomas argued that the Supreme Court would likely grant review if a law required someone to show good reason before exercising their right to free speech or their right to seek an abortion. However, Thomas continued, the Supreme Court had opted to simply look the other way when faced with a petition challenging just such a restriction on a citizen's Second Amendment right. Now, there is no way to know why the justices turned down the petitions for review last year. There are many commentators who have speculated, and I would tend to agree, though, though again, we can't know for sure, uh, but that the conservative justices on the court were less than confident that Chief Justice Roberts would provide a fifth vote to expand gun rights. And that since uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed and was replaced by Amy Coney Barrett, uh, her vote uh, is based on her record as a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit, uh, suggests that she may have a broader approach to the Second Amendment. Now, in cases before the United States Supreme Court, the court certifies a question presented to the court on which arguments must be centered. Now, in this case, uh, the, uh, the original question presented uh, said that New York prohibits its ordinary law-abiding citizens from carrying a handgun outside the home without a license, and it denies licenses to every citizen who fails to convince the state that he or she has proper cause to carry a firearm and that in the District of Columbia versus Heller, the court held that the Second Amendment protects the individual right to possess uh, and carry weapons, uh, yeah, to possess and carry weapons in case of confrontation. And in McDonald v. Chicago, the court held that this right is fully applicable to the states. And now for more than a decade since then, Numerous courts of appeals have squarely divided on this critical question of whether the Second Amendment allows the government to determine ordinary law-abiding citizens' right to possess and carry a handgun outside of the home. The circuit split is open and acknowledged, and it is squarely presented by this petition in which the Second Circuit affirmed the constitutionality of the New York regime that prohibits law-abiding individuals from carrying a handgun unless they first demonstrate some form of proper cause that distinguishes them from the body of the people in general protected by the Second Amendment in a, again, general sense. The time has come for this court to resolve this critical constitutional impasse and reaffirm the citizen's fundamental right to carry a handgun for self-defense. Now, the limited question presented, the one that the court accepted, uh, had to do with whether the Second Amendment allows the government to prohibit ordinary law-abiding citizens from carrying handguns outside of the home for self-defense. And it asks whether the state's denial of petitioner's application for a concealed carry license for self-defense violated the Second Amendment. Now, it is really looking like 2021 is 
shaping up to be a pivotal year for Second Amendment jurisprudence. Now, which direction this thing will pivot is unclear. There's, it could go any number of ways, uh, and it may be uh, every bit as important to the individual right to carry arms outside of the home for the purposes of self-defense as Heller was for determining that the Second Amendment had an individual right to have a handgun in the home for purposes of self-defense. Now, it's entirely possible that the court rendered the Second Amendment a dead letter once and for all by just uh, turning down the case. That is the least likely of all situations, but I, I think more possible than that is uh, that the court does what it has been doing for over a decade and chooses to punt the case. Now, this assures us that while they may eventually get around to dealing with the fact that the lower courts have been intentionally misapplying the Second Amendment by citing Heller's court decision and reading improvisos that don't actually exist. Should the court choose uh, to protect or punt the, the first or last of those options, it's very likely we will see uh, an act of vengeance on behalf of the White House for the court's decision uh, that the more important meaning of the Second Amendment is the original public meaning that it had when ratified in the Second Amendment, as opposed to the groundless and ahistorical meaning of the amendment according to Creepy Uncle Joe. Now, I will have a link down in the description to uh, the actual page uh, for the case uh, online over on the Supreme Court's website where you can look up the docket and uh, I, I would recommend checking it out. I would recommend uh, reading the petitions and the grant for cert if you're interested in this. And then there's also a lot of amicus briefs that have been filed. I think there has been some, something like a, a dozen uh, different amici uh, filing briefs on both sides of the issue. And so I, I will be going over some of those uh, between now and when the case happens to help kind of give you guys an idea uh, of what is being argued in the larger sense uh, and what questions are coming before the court uh, that aren't directly addressed necessarily in the oral arguments that we will be hearing on November 3rd. So check that out. Uh, and I will be back very soon. I think that's going to do it for me here today. I want to thank you all so much for joining me here, <clears throat> here today on Categorical Imperatives. Now, uh, if you like the show and what I do and you want to help support us, uh, I would be very grateful if you would go and check out. Uh, there's a couple options. We have a Patreon. Uh, we have Venmo, PayPal. Uh, I'm working on getting a locals.com put up. Uh, but uh, if you would take a minute and go check those out, and if you got some value from the show, uh, just consider... Uh, donating or even becoming a member. If you do it on Patreon, you're going to get a lot of extra cool little perks that you wouldn't otherwise get. You can do it for as little as two bucks a month. And yeah, that's all I really have to say. Uh, I will be back soon. Oh, oh, oh let me know down in the comment section uh, if there are uh, any of the amicus briefs for this case that anyone would like me to specifically uh, uh, cover, I would be happy to do that for them. The other thing is, uh, with this upcoming fall term for the Supreme Court, 
if there's any case on the docket coming up that you want to know more about that maybe you don't understand or maybe that you're interested in and you want to uh, sort of see how it's been developing, let me know that too down in the description. Uh, and I would be happy to uh, cover any of those cases for you guys and do a breakdown of them and their significance. So with that, I'm going to sign off. Uh, thank you so much again for supporting me. Uh, and if you're, if you're not able to support the show financially right now, uh, that is perfectly all right. I totally understand. But I, I would just ask you maybe take a minute, think of a friend you know who would also like the show, uh, and, and just send it to them. And if you would help me grow the channel that way, I would be very grateful. Uh, yeah, so don't forget to subscribe. Uh, all, all that all that jazz, you know what it is. So um, anyways, this has been me, Lockie and Liberal for Categorical Imperatives, talking about the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin case. And of course, as always, De Linda S. Carthago. Fucker